broadcasting from the Blanchestan Centre. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Sparta! All your base are belong to us. The balls are inert. And now it begins. Okay, everybody, it is Saturday here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Apologies for starting late, but we are incredibly overcome with uh, technical issues. My name is Dan O'Connor and I'm on the line by Mr. Brenner Rook. How are you, Bren? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Stressed out. <laughs> Stressed out. <laughs> I bet. Lie. I no, bet, not yeah. Not going to lie. A whole new desk here, guys. Anyway, so what I'm going to do is for the podcast listeners, uh, the remainder of the show is going to be tacked on there. It's the it's the culmination of the panel from DCC from uh, April, from March. So that's that's something to continue to uh, to check out for. Anyway, we have a lot to get through this week. Um, we're joined a little bit later on in the show um, by Olivia Fahey. We recorded earlier on, so that's going to be uh, rounding out the show. But before we get into that, Bryn, uh, there's a lot to talk about from the world of nerd and pop culture. Uh, Comic Con was this week. Uh, a lot of a lot of weird news broke. So uh, let's mm-hmm. get into it. Let's get into the fourth story. The fourth story was, of course, uh, with uh, James Gunn. Yeah. And what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, I mean, the basic rundown of the of the story is, is that um, James Conn, about, what, um, around the time that he got signed on to Guardians of the Galaxy, he deleted around, in the range of 10,000 tweets, um, some of which got recovered recently. Um, and they're a bit of the um, off-color variety. You yeah. would say, yeah, um, very much the kind of humor that you would have seen in any of the films that James Gunn made while he was getting famous. Um, but like that was very much the, and uh, for that reason, Disney um, fired him. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who've been saying that well, he got fired mainly because they just bought Fox and they need to keep face because. You know, just to just to recap, a lot of um, a lot of what James Gunn's humor is based in the trauma films, and the trauma films can be uh, very edgy, not to everyone's taste. But um, Bryn, is that kind of where you're going with that? Yeah, it's but it's just very much a case of like the kind of humor that he had, that he was using was very much in vogue at one point, and they're from like the majority of those tweets are from ten years ago. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, well, it's, just, it's, it's 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 pretty much just the content, you know. The content of it is very. It, it's it's. It, I think where a lot of people are coming up, but it, it's not only that. It was um, what they were about. It's the fact they were video shared by somebody who was actually a convicted pedophile. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, and and that's the kind of thing. So it's they're very, you know. Look, I appreciate the edge lord jokes as much as everyone else, but it, it's just it's very hard to. It's very hard to justify that, you know. Um, like uh, again, this is something that we've seen a lot happen in America. Happen to people on the right, where stuff will be brought against them from years ago, and then to be used against them and to get fired. And now it's happened to James Gunn, who's a critic, obviously based on the left. So it seems to mm. be like you know, thrown 
thrown garbage at each other now is just it's not good you know it's it's a, at what point does do people change at what point does the situation become you know all about context and it's like yeah they were they were offensive jokes but at the end of the day they're only jokes you know and it, yeah. it, and that's the kind of thing it wasn't like he actually did anything for me something much more disturbing actually uh, came out recently with Dan Harmon who's the creator the creator of Rick and Morty uh <sighs> Yeah, that, for me, that's far worse. Yeah, I think what was interesting was how Adult Swim handled the Dan Harmon situation. Mm. Because they came out and said, well, we talked with Dan, and Dan understands that what he said wasn't, um, uh, was the wrong thing to say, and he has apologized for it, and he's clearly a different person from the person who made those, uh, made those comments in 2009. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, that's the kind of which, it, it, it's like it's social media. I think has a lot has a lot to play into here. Context is king, and it, it, I think on on both sides of the this is what happens when stuff gets politicized. I think on both sides of the political alley, it's like look, just let stuff go. You know, particularly after it's been ten years and you know it was a yeah. joke. You know, now compared to the, on the James Gunn thing, the guy who actually shared these videos, you know, was a criminal and he was you know punished for that. And I think that's. That's all. That's exactly what should have happened. With James Gunn getting fired for something that you know was a joke is is kind of ridiculous, you know. But I have heard today that he might not. He might be brought back. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think um, I do think that there there seems to be enough people who are uh, supporting him mm. at this point in time. Like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the tweets from uh, Dave Batista, the guy who plays Drax the Destroyer. Yes, who has been, um, uh, who has been uh, very, very vocal about um, uh, about the about the, him being fired, and said that, like by saying that it's like, you know, um, like he ha- I've seen I've seen a tweet from where he said, "I think today I'll fire I'll find a good person who spreads the message of equality, unity, sacrifice, responsibility, love, family." forgiveness, redemption, misfit child, female empowerment, and I'll ruin his life. I'll go ahead and empower some fascists while I'm at it. And disclaimer for more on some future viewers, I'm actually joking. Yeah. You know? Because he has to do that, unfortunately, in this day and age. Yeah. Again, though, it's just like I think all across the board, people need to stop doing this. You know, like the kind of people 10 years ago like we've all this is like you know to bring it much down it's like someone being fired for something they said on Bebo back in 2006 yeah you know, it's like come on guys <laughs> you know it's just it's like, ridiculous context you know again watch the trauma films there, mm. there's some really really dodgy stuff that we can't say at 5pm on a Saturday yeah, it, but, in those movies you know <laughs> so. yeah it, I think it's just something though where like um at this point, like I think, when it comes to um, like one one main reasons I heard about him being fired by Disney was the fact that there's the whole merger thing going on, and that it uh, that was a major factor in it, and they were just trying to make sure that their image was as clean as humanly possible. Yeah, but it's a bit ridiculous to do it for someone who had already apologized for his offensive tweets, mm. you know, yeah. years ago, and no one seemed to care then. Well, w- you know? well, coming into it today, um, it, it does look like he'll probably be brought back. Like, there's a high yeah. possibility. Um, it yeah. just, like, again, it's... He did something wrong, but wrong by today's standards and wrong, in yeah. con- wrong out of context. And obviously, you know, it's just some stuff that you shouldn't joke about, but I think he's learned his lesson and won't do it again. Yeah, you know, absolutely. 
But I mean, like he, he'd learned his lesson years ago, which is the thing that's like ridiculous about it is that like he's being punished for something that he's already been remorseful for. Yeah, it's just it's you know it's just the way it is. You know, it's a different world. Yeah. But um, speaking of which, just yeah. just to transition here into the next story that's related, the Disney Fox merger is complete. It is complete. Today it was announced. Yeah. Today it was announced that the shareholders, the stockholders, and all the higher ups have okayed it. And not only that, it looks the first two big big names from you know what we'd be concerned about would be uh, Galactus and Silver Server are the first two pro- uh, properties to come into the new Marvel uh, EU, the Marvel um, cinematic, cinematic universe. universe. Yeah, so that's that's huge, that's man. That's huge, and it's like apparently twenty twelve. Um, there was talks about this is where what they wanted to go with first and what they wanted to lead into, but now it really mm. seems to be the case that you know there's probably going to be a Galactus movie or actually funny enough, Silver Surfer was supposed to be in Infinity War, but that's what was one of the rumors. So uh, maybe at the end of Avengers Four, we'll see Silver Surfer com- like coming in and followed up by Galactus. So that's yeah, that's that, a game that changer. Could, that could definitely be a possibility. Yeah, like that's like. Galactus is one of those huge, huge threats. I don't know if he's as huge as um, Thanos would be, but still, you know, yeah, very, well, like, very big for... Well, here's the thing, you know, a lot of the the goals now towards the cinematic universe is more cosmic threats. So mm-hmm. Galactus, you know, takes a while for Galactus to get here. Um, so it would be Silver Surfer that would that obviously announces it. So I can definitely see him showing up, you know, having your Gardens of the Galaxy Tree... Um, and then having a Silver Surfer movie, maybe leading into uh, oh, Avengers yeah. Five, and that, that yeah. kind of, and for me, that's what I think they're going to do. But uh, very exciting times, I have to say. You know, um, with this, it, it, people, yeah, there is obviously the fact that Disney now owns forty percent of all box office ticket sales, which is crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy. But uh, it, it's it's still pretty cool, you know, because it opens up these these opportunities to have these big event movies and like obviously now next week uh the second is when ant-man opens up so i'm, I'm looking forward to that and that's the next kind of uh that, apparently that's leading into heavily into avengers 4 oh i can't wait i cannot wait for ant-man yeah it's like i love the, the first one personally yeah the first one's the first one's really good but uh, oh, i just i just can't wait i just can't wait to see it okay. it's like i mean especially with the run that uh, the Marvel movies are on right now. I mean, like for the last what year, eighteen months, the worst film has been good to the best one being great. Mm. Like it's incredible. You yeah, know, it, it just seems to be the case that like everything Marvel do, even when it's not great, is still good. Yep. Which is a lot yeah. better than you could say for DC up until recently. But on that point, yeah. I, I do want to pivot into the the two big the two big uh news stories from San Diego Comic Con, which is obviously uh, which is um Aquaman, which looks very interesting, I have to say. Um, yeah, I'm optimistic about it. Oh yeah, well like it's just it, it looks com- some to be completely different and I think that's what they need to do. But also what I'm excited about and like very much so is Shazam. I cannot wait to see Shazam. Yeah, I've I'm kind of in two minds about Shazam. Sure. Shazam looks like they, they've got a good understanding of the character, and it looks like they've got um, that, that they're going to kind of play on the main the main kind of gimmick of the character, and that he's like 
a 10-year-old boy who can, with one word, transform into a fully grown man with superpowers. Mm, who's stronger than Superman. And, like, that's... And it looks like they've got... They've nailed that. The problem is, is that, like... It... I have, I have a... I have a, I have reservations that it might fail in execution um, from it. I, there's just something... There's just something about it that I'm not... That has me a bit concerned that they might uh, they might mess it up, you know? Mm. There's always that possibility, but I think, you know, moving on from Justice League and all that other stuff, I figure they're just leaning heavy into let's try something different. Aquaman yep. is, tr- is something completely different. Shazam is something completely different to the point that people, you know, don't even know who Shazam is, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Oh no, it's great. It's it, great. Is, it is really great. Uh, but um, it's just it, why not? You know, on on the other hand, you have um, the Teen Titans thing, which looks ridiculous. So, yeah. You know, uh, Teen Titans is going to either turn out to be surprisingly good or inevitably poor. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I um I've seen it. I've seen people say it online, but I, I kind of agree with it. Is that like there are plenty of properties that you can kind of do an R-rated mature content um, platform around with DC characters. The Titans is not that platform. No, 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 no. It's, you know? it, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 like I'm not a fan of like Teen Titans Go, but I will concede that it's the Titans are way more that market than they are the mature content market. Like I agree, it, I agree, and you know, you know? It, it, making everything dark and edgy. It makes it lose its impact. Now the Titans, yeah, he's Batman's son. But to be honest with you, I think the movie—sorry, uh, Robin is Batman's son. But the movie that's coming out, the kids' movie, the Teen Titans Go, and I'm not a Teen Titans Go fan, but that looks more like a Teen Titans movie that I'd watch, and it, it is one that I'm going to watch <laughs> more than uh, than than this other dark garbage, you know. And I just, yeah. it's just like, it's, but it just I have no interest. It just looks like they're trying to make the Defenders. Yeah, but make do a worse ba- a worse job of it, like yeah, and it's it's just not what we need nowadays, you know. Uh, the new Doctor Who, we'll get into that next week. That looks to be a hot mess. I'm interested to see what everybody think what thinks about that. Uh, where we are drastically running out of time, sadly, because of, of all technical issues. But next week we will have things more on track. Uh, we're gearing up for this interview now, um, all about Dublin Comic Con. Uh, it's happening in two weeks. And uh, Bryn, I can't wait, man. It's going to be super excited. We're going to be there. We're going oh, to be on the ground. So it's going to be so great. Yeah, we'll have a uh, vox pop. So you know, if you guys are there, come over, say hey, um, and we'd love to hear what you guys think about it. We're going to be doing interviews and, and getting all that kind of stuff from panels and all the all all the all the stuff that you would expect um, for, from from this show. So, uh, Bryn, is there anything you'd like to do? Uh, like to say before we go into this interview? Um, no, I, uh, I'm just uh, going to say that I recently watched The Expanse, uh, season three finale, and it's friggin' brilliant. If you haven't started watching The Expanse and you like science fiction, I don't know what you're doing with your time, because frankly, it is by far the best sci-fi show, science fiction show on television these days, so. Yeah, I have, I have to, uh, I have to check it out. It's still on my to-watch list. Alright guys, it's time for this interview with DCC head coordinator, Olivia Fine. Check it out. Alright guys, and we are joined on the line by uh, DCC coordinator and PR representative, Olivia Fahey. How are things, Olivia? I'm good, I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing good. good. Doing good. Survived. 
Thanks for joining us on the Saturday. Uh, we appreciate it. No problem, no problem. We're sure things are a bit uh, cray-cray here at uh, Comic-Con HQ, so uh, Saturday pretty much suited us a bit better. Oh, great. Well, like it's almost two weeks to the day now where things are going to kick off. So uh, this event's looking to be one of the biggest ones ever. Uh, I've seen a lot of buzz uh, more so than any other year. It seems like, you know, when, when Comic-Con, when I first started going, going to Dublin Comic-Con, it was, you know, kind of hushed tones and then it kind of grew and it grew and it grew and now it's, you know, a big event that you see ads for and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's honestly great to see. So how, how, have, how have you felt um, seeing the progression going forward? Well, like this is the this is Comic Con's sixth year. So um, Dublin Comic Con, they started off um, a little bit smaller out in Swords, and then moved to, mm. to the convention center in Dublin uh, pretty soon afterwards, really, um, as they realized that they needed a larger space. Um, mm. I suppose like it helps that you know being a being a geek is actually pretty cool these days. So mm. as more awareness has sort of grown around the world, um, and like especially in Ireland then the, the Comic-Con experience has grown as well. So we'll be taking over all five floors um, of the convention center in two weeks' time. So it's actually, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's crazy, because I, I remember, um, you know, when it was out in Swords, and, you know, nobody was was, was really aware of it or so that, or, like, you kind of knew everybody from being at comic shops and all that kind of stuff. And now it's like, you know, the, the, the cosplayer thing is huge. Uh, a lot more guests, you know, a lot more casual fans as well. It, it's it's really kind of become a, uh, an event of the summer. It is, and what I always like to see is like the families uh, that mm. come as well, and especially the ones that cosplay together. They're always yeah. really, really exciting to see. So there was one year we saw like the Incredibles, and there was like a Marvel sort of family together one year with um, the the daughter was Thor, and it was just after female Thor had been launched by Marvel and things like that. So I was like, wow, mm. you guys are really on top of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's go back a bit. How did you get started uh, working with Dublin Comic Con? So I actually work with Geek Ireland as well. So I basically got involved. I was asked to host uh, a panel with Brian Krause um, a mm. couple of years ago. And then from there, um, started helping out a little bit behind the scenes and working with the guys. And it basically just sort of grew from there. So I think since um, just when they launched KCON, and that's when I really started to get more involved and uh, do a bit more like the press aspects. And yeah, right. I haven't really looked back now. <laughs> uh, well, how did you initially get started into uh, geek culture? You know, working for Geek Ireland and stuff like that. You have to, you have to go pretty hardcore for that. So, what, what was your gateway? Um, I'm excellent at ranting about films. And I was able to put that in writing. And then when I saw that Geek Ireland had, a, had an opening, it was pretty much kind of like what I felt that, I, that like that's where I should be. Um, I'm a massive mm. Star Wars fan um, ever since I was small. Like I actually have one of the voice activated BB-8s in my house and we call him the puppy because you can call his name and then he'll come into the room and follow you around the house. Great crack. Um, get one of those. Oh yeah, Disney Store, they're great. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like it's like between like Star Wars, comic books, um, I'm a big Dis nerd myself as well, so like the classic Disney and things like that. So it was all it all sort of like encompassed um what what I was sort of about. So that's kind of how I, I linked up with the, the Geek Garland guys and it all went from there. Oh fantastic. Yeah, it seems to be like yeah. one thing I've noticed though with, with Star Wars in particular, if you don't watch it when you're a kid, you can't really capture it, you know, when you're trying to show it to somebody like here. 
watch Empire and like, ah, oh. it's, yeah, it's, it's not there. There's, there's one of one of the lads. He never saw them as a kid, and then we tried like when he he used to live with us, and then uh, we tried showing them to him before, and he was just like, nope, these are stupid. Like, no, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's stupid. true. The best best yeah. time to watch the, the original trilogy is when you're five, uh, five to eight, and then you're locked for your fan for life. But you I, know, think I think I was about ten or eleven. Mm. Still good, and, still good. Yeah, it was my cousin that had the three originals, and I was. Yeah, I think I was over at his house over a weekend or something, or my, I was staying there because my mum was away, and uh, yeah, we just blasted them out like through the through the weekend, and I was hooked, absolutely hooked. Mm. Like I think with the, I think it's like this magical period between like four and twelve, where if you find if you get into sci-fi or fantasy at that age, that's it, you're going to be hooked for life. Because like I know I know so many people who like started reading Tolkien and then just went further and further down into fantasy from there to the point where some of them can speak elvish fluently um before they could before they even watch the films to go those were accurate and going okay i didn't realize how much you were into this (laughs) like you know i even remember there being like um there was like an was it elf town it was kind of like almost like a facebook group but it was um but it was like for fans of lord of the rings and things like that yeah exactly yeah you know and i um I mean, with I, I think it, like because I started going to like a few because like a lot of my a lot of my friends are massive into anime, so we went to anime cons here, and like I th- always found to myself going, oh yeah, I know anime, and then going off to these cons and going, I have no idea what any of these. Things <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you see the it's like the tip of the iceberg. You're like, yeah, I know Naruto and Yu Gi Oh and that, and you're like, oh my god, it goes deeper. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there's so much more than like Pokemon and Digimon and things like that. But it's like yeah. it's even like there's so much more than even just like Attack on Titan. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, you can even if like you're uh, even if you're into like some of the biggest animes now, there's still are stuff that like, there are people who are obsessed with even more obscure stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and like it's kind of incredible to see even like in a country like Ireland where there's it's so small, but there's still is such like a dedicated uh, fan base for these like a dedicated fan base here for. Uh, stuff for like obscure <laughs> obscure sci-fi and fantasy like anime there know, is great. yeah and like we definitely saw it when because we had our um our anime edition um back at easter weekend mm. and we were really blown away by just how much well one that people enjoyed it we were very happy that we that they said we'd done a good job but also just how many people were there like we only it was going to be like our smaller version we only had like three floors and things like that and um, it's not like a mini addition uh, to the big event uh, in August, but mm. the the numbers blew us away, and everyone had such good feedback from it as well that we're actually bringing back some of the uh, some of the the areas that we had there. We're bringing them back for for August because they worked out so well. That's mm. awesome. That's really cool. Well, Olivia, Olivia, I was there. I was actually talking to yourself at at the at the event, and from being on the ground, people really enjoyed it. You know, like it it was. That that's when I first started to to realize that um you know anime has penetrated so deep in in Ireland as far as like the geek culture kind of thing where you can hold a, an anime convention along this little smaller line and it just people really enjoy it. like even though I was, I was talking to were having a great time uh, the vendors you know they made bank on there as well so it it, it wasn't a, an incredible it, it felt different it felt different than the, the one in August but in a really good way so fair play to you that was great. No, thank you. 
Uh, okay, so just going on to the mission statement of what you guys tried to do, what's the overall ethos of, of the, the event, you know, if you were to, to boil it down into a sentence? Well, it, to build a community, basically. Like, we are we're fans ourselves. And the reason why, so Derek and Carl um, are the, the heads of Dublin Comic Con. Um, they basically decided to start hosting an event like this because around the time uh, there wasn't really that many um, large events and they were kind of like oh well we're a bit fed up of going abroad and uh, having to <laughs> having to spend loads of money to get like to the states to try and experience something like this so they decided to try and host something themselves uh, here mm. and basically it just sort of took off from there so we're still all about like building the community and basically those of us that work with DCC and the fans that religiously attend all of our events it is basically just one big family and you always see the same faces. Sometimes you see some new faces and then you'll see them coming again and again. And it's always really nice just to sort of yeah, build up a, a, a big, happy, geeky community. All right. Well, that, you know, that's it. It's like particularly in, in a, you know, it's gone from the internet where it'd be a message board and you'd have to like organize everything to now it's with social media where you can kind of just have these groups. And then when you have a place to go, like with Comic-Con or, you know, signings or something like that, you look kind of meet the same people. And I think having, you know, the focal point is really cool. And that's that's pretty much what uh, Dublin Comic Con has, has become, because I know there's other ones as well. But in my experience, I'm not just saying this because you're on the line, yeah. Yeah, Dublin Comic Con is, is, is the best one that I've gone to, uh, you know, in Ireland, but also abroad as well, because it doesn't have that, as you said, community. It doesn't have that um, that feel that... You know, that's like, well, this is this is run properly. This is really professional, and also it's fun. And you know, the panels and guests and stuff like that. You actually, you know, it's not only a family day out, but it's also if you're into, if you're more hardcore, there's there's always something there for you. You seem to cater for everybody. Yeah, that's what we try, and especially with, with the um, with the fan panels as well. We always try and have like a nice uh, a nice variety, and and there usually is a great variety that's uh, that's applied for. So. Um, mm. This year, I think we have um, we also have some cosplay panels as well, which is going to be new for the August edition. But that's something that's mm. brought in from uh, brought in from the the anime edition. Super fun, super fun, and you have a Gundam section as well, and it's like yes, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> it's always fun, you know. I won't be able to get them away from the Gundam section. If <laughs> no, I, I've actually got. I've actually got Brynn into Gundam as well. I'm like, it's like a bonsai tree. It's the most relaxing thing in the world. <laughs> you just sit there and you have a good time. <laughs> I literally have like six boxes of Gundam. I'm like, I will finish you eventually. But <laughs> but uh, speaking of per- <laughs> speaking of personal highlights of you, uh, and I think that's 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 the big takeaway from events like this. You know, it, it's not the event itself; it's what you get out of it. Uh, as an organizer, but also as a fan, what have been the the personal highlights for you as far as guests, random moments or anything like that? Oh, that's really difficult. I'd say like the, for me, the, the for me personally, my first panel was probably like my first guest panel was a really, really big thing for me. Um, and especially because it was, it was Brian Krebs and I was such a massive Charmed fan um, mm. growing up. And well, basically when it was being shown on loop on E4, it was great. Um, but yeah, so for me, it was probably like the first panel really just sort of got me hooked. Um, last year was great fun, um, between KCON and, uh, DCC in August as well. And like, I, this year just may top everything just cause like 
we've got such an eclectic group um, coming, and it's just mm. going to be oh, it's just going to be so much fun. I'm, I'm really like as much as like I'm kind of stressed as well, just trying to get everything organized. It's it is going to be so much fun at the weekend. Oh yeah, no, it's just it's, it seems like along with everything else that's, that's there, you have kind of added so much. You know, like obviously there's the the standard trade halls, craft tables interactive sets but now there's the cosplay village which as you said seems to have have found its way in from uh, the anime edition but the panels yeah. as well you know you guys have some of the best panels as well and then the guests like you know I, I was going through this before we went on and you know I was fanboying out that Carl Urban's going to be there uh, <laughs> you know my sister is freaking out that Laurie Petty's going to be there because she's a big tank girl fan and as I said she's a, a peripheral nerd so you know, you 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 have you have a sale there solely for her. You know, which is crazy. We do, uh, yeah, and, and we also have like for like the traditional Star Trek fans, Michael Dorn, but also yes. fans of the Orville. We've got Peter Macon, um, who plays Bortus in the Orville. Like he's also coming over as well, and so it's going to be kind of fun to see like how the the Star Trek and the Orville fans sort of react, because um, I know that's been a hot topic. Um, in, in the culture for the last year is like the Orville versus like Star Trek Discovery and things like that. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, I, I haven't been able to have a look at any panels that are coming up. Can you give us a, a sneak peek of any panels that are, are, are on the docket? Um, well, Dino Guy, uh, Sean Markey, he's going to be on Saturday. The time has just slipped my mind because I don't have my cheat sheet, my cheat sheet in front of me. Um, <laughs> he is going to be doing um, some of the best dinosaur fights and who won them and things like that. So, he started doing panels at DCC this time last year, and right. his first one was in like the smaller panel room, was full. We moved him to the larger panel room at Anime Edition, it was full. So he's in a in, in the large panel room again this year, um, and it just seems to be growing and growing and growing. Um, then on Sunday, just before Michael Dorn's panel, um, Star Trek Ireland are going to be discussing all things Star Trek, so it's going to be a kind of like a nice little warm up um, in one of the smaller panel rooms before Michael Doring's uh, panel in the main auditorium as well. So it has a nice little, nice little flow going on to it. And of course, Geek Ireland have their own panel on the Sunday evening, um, which I should probably mention. Uh, List for Glory is what we called it. So it's going to be just a bit of a chit chat of like your top five, whatever is, and we're going to try and compile a list with the audience, and then we'll mm -hmm. have it up on the website the following week. Oh, very cool. That's very cool. Um, yeah, whoa, that's a <laughs> that, that's a packed panel, uh, packed event for it. This spring, what do you think? Yeah, that's that sounds incredible. Um, and that's only three of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only three of them. But I can't think of what I don't want to see. So yeah, <laughs> that's, always, that's, that's always the challenge. You're like, yeah. which which do I want to miss out on more? This is how normal people must feel about going to festivals and going, I don't know which band I want to see. <laughs> oh, my God. It, look, it, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then there's also the, the interactive stuff as well. You guys do kind of showcase indie game developers, a lot of independent artists as well, some really good art in the trade halls. And, you know, it, there's just, and then, of course, there's like if you're into magic or anything like that as well, you can. There's always some good games there as well. I don't like to play Magic at the event because I get beaten so badly. So I'm like, no, I, I just, I, there's only so, so, so much of an impact that my pride can take. But uh, there's there's something for everyone, guys, and uh, I'm really looking forward to Olivia. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but just before we we wrap up here, 
so, someone has never been to one of these before, ever, and they're 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 kind of you know on the verge of going. What would you say to them? I would say that it is probably one of the most fun weekends you'll ever have, whether you just go on a Saturday or a Sunday. There's something, like you said, there is something for everyone. If you just want to spend a lot of money and buy all of the geeky things to put into your, your geek corner in your house and things like that, you've got like the trade hall. We also have like a little um, Lego area that we're going to have this year. Um, so for families, we're going to try and keep it to just the kids building the Lego. So just a heads up to all the parents who will probably sit down and want to be building a load of stuff. Let's try and keep it to the kids, but uh, we, we might get it to play, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that event, like the games, the the artists. Like I actually, every time I go, I always say, don't buy any more artwork. Don't buy any more artwork. And I always yeah. come home with more artwork. The struggle so, is real. It's <laughs> so real. difficult because you just see yeah. so many amazingly talented people. Um, there was a girl there uh, last year. I actually met her in, uh, at KCON. And then come DCC, I was buying wands off her. Mm. And she made one especially for my little sister for her birthday as well. Oh, really? so, that was, so that was a really nice thing. But like you get, like again, you just get to meet so many lovely people. It's a really nice day. And of course, if we have like some guests on that you are a massive fan of, you get the opportunity to, to meet them, to get a photograph taken with them, to get an autograph, things like that. And, you know, it's just, it's so much fun. It's, really, it's one of those things where I say to people, you, don't, you won't be able to know exactly what it's like until you try it. And yeah, I've said that to a few people this year, and they've actually volunteered to come and join in on the fun, which is great. So I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, to hearing what they think of us. Oh, fantastic. And just on that point as well, um, you guys have been, have been good enough to actually give us some tickets for uh, the show on the show for the event so uh yeah that, that's really cool olivia so if you want to kind of uh tell our listeners about what, what you've given us so we have a pair of tickets to give away for saturday and we have a pair of tickets to give away for sunday so you don't have to worry about trying to choose between the two you can try and win the tickets for your preferred day yeah and we're going to be running this competition over the next uh couple of weeks and then giving them away the week before so uh Olivia, thank you so much, and thank you so much for the uh, to the guys over in uh, Dublin Comic Con because you guys are fantastic, and we really appreciate talking with you. So uh, thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to seeing you guys in two weeks. All right, guys. As promised, here is the press panel from the DCC Anime Comic Con back around Easter time. Check it out. For it. I don't know that I could work um, in um, in a vacuum at this point. I don't know that I could, could go to work in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there, there, there's two sides of, of at least with the cartoon stuff. Um, for, for me, is I'm either presented with um, the visual. Sometimes they'll play the original voice if it's Japanese. And, and, of course, cultures are different in terms of what we think is funny, what we think, like, um, for instance... Now, the Japanese might have a character that's named Tiny, right? And he's got a big voice like this, and that's, you know, or here, you know, Tiny might be the big fat guy, and he has a high voice. So it's like, you know, you go against the type that they might have originally done. Um, but then also with things that are sort of prelay, um, where we record the voices first, we're given sides where we might see a, a drawing of the character and a little description of what they're about. So we have something to go on. Um, 
Well, I'll give you the, the, uh, an example of the show Kirby. I don't know if you ever saw Kirby. Okay, but I play the, the um, Meta Knight, which is a Spanish uh, Antonio Banderas type of character, and he has no lip flap. He's just a helmet, right? You don't see his face at all. And so they brought me in and they said, Eric, we want you to play this like a Clint Eastwood type thing because we know you can do that. And I said. It's going to sound too much like Kaiba. That's what I'm doing on Yu-Gi-Oh! And they're like, oh, okay. I said, well, what if he's Antonio Banderas? And they said, Spanish? I said, yeah. And they said, why would he be Spanish? And I said, why wouldn't he be? <laughs> and they said, all right, that's a good idea. Now, this wasn't on the sides. This was just a suggestion because I thought, you know, if I was going to do it sexy like this, no, it would be very good. No, yes, yes. So um, I did it like that, and there was no lip flap. So I could take big poses and say things like this, because there was no lip flap. Um, and so years later, I'm at a convention in Miami, Florida, and this group of young guys, come. they come up to me and they say, did you play Meta Knight back in the day on Kirby? I'm like, yeah. We just want to thank you for that was the only character on Saturday mornings that sounded like us that didn't make fun of us. And I didn't even think of it that way. But, you know, there's so many stereotypes that we have in these kinds of shows, and, and because things don't sort of follow through in, in terms of different cultures. There's some very, uh, there's a character called Mr. called Jinx on Pokemon, which is basically blackface. It's, it, we wouldn't air it on our, on, in America. We're like, we can't air that. This character cannot be on our show. And they were like, what are you talking about? The Japanese were like, what are you talking about? Uh, because that was not racist to them, it was racist to us. So the fact that I played a Spanish character that was cool um, was my idea, but it was off of a, you know, just an, I, I pulled it out of my, my own experience of that's as cool as Clint Eastwood, and that may be even cooler. Um, a lot of times having any kind of visuals helps, because, um, you know, if I'm going into audition for a game or something, a lot of times we're not going to see anything. Sometimes we will hear the original voice for reference, sometimes we won't if it's just an audition. So having a picture is very helpful. Um, I've worked on games as well where they say you don't have to match the original, but sometimes just hearing it, especially just to see like how big they're going. Um, a lot of times for like fight efforts and stuff like that, they want us to hear it so that we can match like timing and intensity and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know, I like to look at, obviously we're not playing off the other actors, but I like to look at the lines that come before mine in the script so I can know what I'm reacting to. You know, they say that acting is reacting, and I think that's very true because, you know, how I'm responding to someone else, it's, you, you can't do it in a vacuum, essentially. DC, how about you? Um, I just let the drug that I've taken that day dictate the character. So, it's good that you, you, you end with him. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm that well for me. You know? Like some really good masculine that will like really, really drain you. Yeah. 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 Really, like some ether as well. Like a nice high of ether and just take off. <laughs> oh, they're here. Um, okay, I think that's better about do it. Do we have any final questions from the crowd? Graham. Is that okay? Oh, I know. Okay. Do you want to go? Make it quick. Yeah. Oh, crap. Um, so, you all are part of very passionate passion projects uh, from live action to uh, video game, and that. What's been the biggest uh, experience from that, from fans? Like the most impactful uh, fan you've met? It was an orgy, and I ruined it. I'm sorry. It's supposed to be the button. I forgot. Uh, I, I used to. 
I, I still do. I, I try to answer all fan mail. It just takes me a little bit of time. But I, I, you know, even before like Facebook and stuff like that, with just basic email, I would try to answer all the fan mail because I, you know, I, I know I'm a fan myself of many things, and I, and I, and I know what that means. So I was at a convention, and and uh, this young woman came up to me, and uh, she was probably in her early 30s, and she said, "You don't remember me." But when I was um, in fifth grade, I wrote you a fan, uh, 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 an interview, a series of questions. And um, I didn't think you would respond, but you did. And I had just changed schools, and I had no friends. And I thought, if I could get someone like you to do my class paper, it would get me friends. And I was like, wow, that's, she said, so I, you, did, you answered the questions. I read it in class, and I got it, and I got a good grade on it. But then everyone thought I was really cool because I knew you. And I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" And she said, "Yeah," and uh, it changed my life in that school. And she said, "And I brought the paper if you would sign it for me." And I was just—I was floored. I mean, you know, we we joke around about the fact that we work on this kind of stuff, um, but it is definitely humbling when you see that. You know, sometimes we are their friends. You know, I had that growing up. I was, you know, only child. My, my mom was a single mom, and I was in front of that television. If I had a chance to meet some of those people I grew up watching, that would have been, I mean, the, you know, Adam West was a friend of mine by watching him on television. You know, that I'm looking at Batman there. It's like things like that. So um, never take that for granted. So th that's like one of many stories like that. I feel like... Uh, um, it, we make we make a difference sometimes where we don't realize that we do. So that meant a lot to me. Seth, how about you? I've had people um, come up to me who, who want me to marry them. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that was I just the first time I met you. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's legal in Ireland, so yeah. you, you, well, there yeah. we go. <laughs> it's all about the twenty-first century. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I've gotten that, and I've actually thought about going online and becoming ordained and seeing what you know what it would be like to uh, to marry some some fans. But uh, but yeah, people have I've had this one couple in particular who invited me to their ranch in Texas, and they were willing to fly me out and my family out. They were willing to put me up. They wanted to pay me. They wanted to do all of this stuff just so that they could have Father Gabriel officiate their their wedding. <laughs> I was like, that's strange. <laughs> but okay. Uh, no, I did not do it. I think I may have reported them to the local astronomer. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I didn't do it because um, uh, we, we have yet to really, to really deal with, um, with God on the show. Um, and it seems to me I would kind of be jumping the shark if you know if we, we didn't have something like that on the show first. You know, if, if Father Gabriel was joining people together, union, you know, in, in a union under the eyes of God on the show, then perhaps I could feel like there was a little bit more leeway room, leeway for me to do that um, off off camera. But until that happens, I feel like I would just be kind of doing something kind of unholy. You that's know. very responsible to the character. I'm yeah, impressed yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's 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 commendable. That's really, that's really. Um, DC and Kira, any thoughts? 
Well, I can say that Near Automata fans have just been so incredible. Like, I am blown away because I've worked on a lot of projects, but nothing has even come close to a fraction of what I've gotten from this game and how devoted the fan base is. And the things that they've done for the cast, they've, like, sent us gifts, they wrote us, like, really heartfelt letters, they made us stuff. It's it's incredible. And people, I think the reason isn't necessarily because of our performances. It's because the game touched them in a very emotional way. You know, it's a, it's a game that... Um, the creator isn't afraid to break the players' hearts and make them question everything about life and cry a lot. So, you know, I think this um, people really connected emotionally with the characters, and so they kind of see us as an extension of that and say, you know, it's just it's amazing just the stuff that we've gotten. I think that's what that's what it is. It's like we were, we're like goodwill representatives or something, the uh, uh, custodians of that, and um, so that. That has probably been the, the most amazing thing about the fan stuff, is that realizing that I'm, I'm just representing something, and that little gestures that I do um, have, have an impact in their lives in, 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 in such a positive way. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of, it's, it's, it's awe-inspiring. Um, and uh, so, even though it, I'll still um, go bash Trump and cuss and whatnot on my Twitter feed, <laughs> it's at least, uh, uh, being uh, so, still being real, being who I am, and but also uh, knowing that a kind, you know, kind gesture of just, you know, uh, someone's having a bad day or what have you, or saying something suicidal. Maybe it's just to get my attention on, on Twitter. But then, you know, tweeting something back about, you know, just keeping support or you know, you know, believing in yourself and and seeking help or what have you. That not only helps them, all the other fans that see that too, then. It, it kind of reverberates with them as well, and it's like, and I'm just again, it's not DC Douglas did something. It's just I'm the the representative of Albert Wesker or Legion from Mass Effect or something like that, and that um, uh, uh, and that is kind of mind blowing and cool. Yeah. Final question. I would actually this is kind of a general question. Jasmine, do you ever get attached to series that you like or Yes. Um, in anime and in voice acting, you always know that there's only a specific amount of episodes, and either it goes on or doesn't, depending on the audience. So I was just kind of wondering, do you get attached to your character and you get kind of set as you can go, or actually set in the show itself? I, I, I was very attached to playing Dr. Deaton and, and being on Team Wolf. It, um, selfishly, it, it kept me young, mm -hmm. working, with, uh, working with all those young actors. You know, um, it, it would remind me of, of the excitement of acting, just how exciting acting is as a profession and uh, the, the possibilities of it, you know. Um, they, they have yet to, at least at that point, they have yet to really be beaten down by the industry and to become jaded and, and dark and, and cynical. So it was great for me to be able to go into that environment and try to shed my own cynicism and shed my own whatever heartbreak may have happened over not getting cast in something because I wasn't tall enough or dark enough or light enough or whatever the fuck enough. So the show helped to keep me young and I, and I, and I, miss, I miss having that in my life, actually. Um. I mean, obviously, working on a show like Pokemon and being on it for 10 years and helping sort of create this monster that it is, this pocket monster. Um, um, oh, I get it. <laughs> I definitely was disappointed that I didn't continue 
playing those characters, but I also feel like I established those characters and to be part of sort of pop culture history is pretty cool. I do like that part of it, but like anything, it has to, it, it doesn't, it can't go on forever. Um, I was really happy that Kaiba is still, I get to play Kaiba anytime mm -hmm. he's needed, which is, which is great. But as I said, the, these are things that, you know, the stories are going to end or maybe they don't end. I mean, we never thought we'd come back together and do anything that was the original cast of Yu-Gi-Oh! That was 15 years ago, right? Or 17 years ago. I don't even know. But they were like, by the way, we're bringing you all back because it's the most popular uh, story arc with the fans, and we're going to make a feature film. Because for years they said, they're not doing it anymore. It's done. It's done. They don't want to talk about Kaiba anymore. But no, it's done. It's done. And then, of course, the entire movie's about Kaiba, right? <laughs> so, you know, you're sitting at home going, oh, I have little action figures of Brock and James and Kaiba that sit on my mixing board at home. And uh, they're there with me. They hang out with me. I've got all the swag and stuff like that. All the, I call it my wall of shame. It's got all the movie <laughs> posters, stuff like that. But it's like, you know, uh, and I'll end with this. There's a, there's a great song by Squeeze, a band from the 80s called If I Didn't Love You, I'd Hate You. And this is my new mantra. There's a line in that song that says, singles remind me of kisses, albums remind me of plans. We make these plans that never end up the way we think they're gonna end up, right? You could be the most responsible person in the world and say, I'm gonna be doing this thing for the rest, and it's just gonna, it never works out that way, good or bad. So we need to start focusing on the kisses, which are the moments today, right? Enjoy the moment, because it might not be there tomorrow, but that doesn't mean that that's a negative. If we're always stressing about what's not gonna be there tomorrow, we don't enjoy the moment. So that's just something to think about. Okay. Eric will also have a kissing booth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we'll leave it there. So, uh, guys, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that three-part panel from uh, last the last round of the DCC anime convention. Brynn, is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up this week? Um, no, but um, yeah. Uh, if you if we uh, if you don't hear from us in the next two weeks, you we will hopefully see you at Comic Con. Awesome! All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week here on Phoenix ninety two point five FM on Nerd to Know basis.